Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. My mom is one of the strongest people I've ever met in my life. She's been through a lot. And her resiliency. She finds a way to find happiness. She's just not resilient. Like every time I find her or talk to her, things that could have broke other people. I wish I had that. What up, what up, what up, what up? It's Three Brothers No Sense, your favorite barbershop-style podcast. I am Tavares Ferguson, a.k.a. Ferg. Join my co-hosts, Buff and Rozzy's. Fella, tell me what's on your mind. So we're usually recommending shows that require a streaming app of some kind. But uh, Father's Day, I believe that's the name of it, with Kurt Franklin. It's actually free on YouTube, at least as I say these words, it's free. I know streaming apps change from time to time, but it's about 30 minutes long. And I think it originally starts off as like a documentary of him recording his uh, upcoming album that I think drops next month. But it wound up turning into something that uh, he didn't see coming where he finds out um, who his real father is. And it's, it's kind of interesting. I've never quite been a Kurt Franklin fan as far as his music. I mean, I appreciate what he does, uh, you know, bringing the gospel to people that it probably wouldn't always reach. But it was, it was kind of cool um, to see him go through the different emotions that he went through and his mom. I mean, there are compulsive liars and then there are people that will see you steal the Three Musketeer bar and and you can see them steal the Three Musketeer bar, and they'll look in your eye and say, "I didn't steal that. No, no, I just I saw. No, I didn't steal that. That's his mom, like and Donald Trump." <laughs> <laughs> well, that means she has presidential qualities. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. She she. Oh man, it was it was kind of wild to watch. So check that out, man. Like devote a good thirty minutes of your time to that. It's free on YouTube. Father's Day with Kurt Franklin. So I got hold that on, Buff. And... You didn't like melodies from heaven back in like nineteen ninety seven. Stomp. I mean that's cool, but I mean that's, that's... when am I gonna play that? <laughs> you play <it> today? <laughs> <laughs> no, <Nah>, I'm good. <laughs> on this good Lord's Day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, but I, I appreciate him. Like, you know, I appreciate him. Um, I also found myself agreeing with something Tucker Carlson said. Mm. T- Tucker Carlson called out a lot of, especially these people that are running for president. He called them out specifically the Nikki Haley's of the world and a couple of uh, current Congress members that are like, in his words, making the same mistakes we made 
after 9-11 where we just we just wanted some get back. It didn't matter who it was. It didn't matter if they had anything to do with it or not. We just wanted some get back. And with Hamas attacking Israel, you got people, you know, as I said last week, wanting to level uh, Palestine, wanting to take out a whole community of people that had nothing to do with this. And, and the rhetoric is just continuing to ratchet up. But he, he called him out. He called uh, Nikki Haley out and said, you know, we don't need um, politicians that don't think about any consequences when it comes to going to war. These are real people that you are sending into these war zones and it has nothing to do with America. So I was like, hmm, okay, all righty. Well, so you, I, get, I, you get you get rid of some of the white nationalist stuff, and Tucker, maybe I can maybe I can rock with you a little more. <laughs> the, the issue comes um, with the, the, the last part of that. It has nothing to do with America or anything like that. One, um, Israel is a part of NATO, right? Um, they're NATO ally. There's we have this whole huge joint security agreement with them, all of that. So we should be supporting them when it comes to that, right? That's what we're supposed to do as good allies. But I do agree with him on the whole, we have to watch the Reddit, right? We got to look at both sides, the humanitarian part of it. So that's why I was going to kind of bring up, shout out to Joe Biden. Uh, I know that uh, Congress is at a standstill right now and and everything like that. Let me interject. Now, he's okay with us supporting them financially like we're doing. He's against sending troops. Okay, all right, cool, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely agree there. Um, okay. And so, but uh, to that point, shout out to Joe Biden and the administration. They found a hundred billion to be able to kind of uh, help out with sending some uh, money over there and those types of things um, with humanitarian assistance for both sides, for Gaza and for um, uh, Israel. Uh, go ahead first. How do you find a hundred billion? <laughs> I, I found I found, my biggest financial con- I found a hundred dollars in my pants one day. How do you oh, man. how do you find a hundred billion with all the the challenges we have going on in America today? And I think that's where a lot of people when he said it has nothing to do with America. It's like we have so many of our own problems that we fun funnel billions and trillions of dollars annually to others for aid. And we have we have our own problems. And I'm not going down that. We should you know, we have our own we border control. Like, that's a big thing. You know, they say take those that same money you're giving to the troops and funding into border control. I'm not going down there, but I'm just talking about homelessness. I mean, student loans, any of, there's so many different things that we could be a hundred billion dollars would really help. Yeah. But well, okay. So getting into appropriations and budgeting and everything like that, the thing about it is the administration doesn't set those limitations on what they can use certain things for. That is Congress's job, right? Like Congress has the power of the purse. They appropriate. When he says he found a hundred billion to be able to do those things, what he's doing is he's within the appropriations that have been allocated in certain areas. He can use that money to help out. So um, if it's in the military budget for stabilization, I can use some of that money. So he goes to the um, you know the the military and the DOD and says, "Hey, can you guys free up and move your budget around so that we can shift focus to?" Israel and Palestine and put money there. And they say, yeah, we can probably find 2 billion, 3 billion 
to shift money over there and and that and so they say okay that's two billion then he goes to homeland security mm-hmm. and say hey because you have intelligence operations blah 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 over there with them can you shift some money or a little bit more money in your budget over there and so that's how when he when he says i found 100 billion that's what they mean is that they were able to talk to all these different organizations that had allocations and appropriations and say hey can you shift money to that area and then out of the total budget that's how much he was able to kind of shift over that's the only thing that he can do until congress gets their together and get a speaker of the house and are able to actually reappropriate to actually you know find some more money whatever uh and, and do that so shout out to him for actually going in and going through that exercise and i know the administration gets a lot or especially joe biden gets a lot of flack for not being the charismatic leader that we really want to see right he's not being out in the public and open and 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 doing all these type of things for re-election uh the democrats are really on him about that but i think this is what he's actually good at and he's doing is being able to really run the country like he's a good president uh not as good politician when it comes to what he's what we're what we want from re-election and everything so shout out to his administration shout out to whoever kind of led that because we know joe biden probably didn't do all of that right he, he just said hey find me some money and then somebody else went and did it so shout out to the administration for being able to kind of figure that out uh as the stopgap until uh we can get the house to figure out what they're going to do with the speaker oh, okay thank you for he's he's catching a lot of flack too for uh not asking for a ceasefire. That's what a lot of the protests have been the last few days. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm glad you clarified that, Rise, because that's exactly what I thought happened. Um, my thing is, we can find my whole point is we can find a hundred billion dollars for things like that. If I can find two billion dollars to kind of, you know, what I I could I can do without I can move two billion around. And we talk about budget cuts. Budget cuts is a big thing. That same hundred million, if he cut all, maybe it came from 27 different entities or groups. Cut that in half. That 50 billion gets funneled to something else that's underfunded right now. We have so many things that are underfunded that directly affect the average American that we you know, you see what I'm saying? Like it's, it's, it's always when I always be an ex military, when I see how much the budget, the defense budget. And I mean, that's part of the, the gift and curse of being an American is that protection because of our, our defense budget budget. Like we got that money. Like, you know, what? um, nobody want to go to war with us because of that. But at the certain same time, it's like, dude, we have so much, so many needs that need to be addressed directly in the country that, how do we start funding these things? But that's a whole nother conversation. So, um, Buff, you were you were continuing your conversation. You were what was that one on that was on rising? No, it's it's still it's still on rising. Okay. All right, cool. Um, so thanks, Buff, for that segue. That was one of the things I really wanted to talk about. The um, only other thing is talking about shows, you know, you brought up uh, Father's Day, but fur, I don't know if you've seen the pictures for Avatar the Last Airbender, the live action. Bruh, it looks good. So I think we're going to uh, come back from that horrible, horrible movie uh, that M. Night Shyamalan made. So I'm super excited about, about that, that one, man. 
<laughs> right. So I know because you said Sky really, really likes uh, Avatar, yes. right? Sky. To, yeah. to this day, that's probably Avatar is definitely one of the top five cartoons, animated series I've ever yeah. seen. Yeah. So she's going to be the excited about that, hopefully. So, yeah, because um, Ollie, you know, with One Piece, when it came out, he was super excited about that shift. So hopefully she'll like that. Uh, I think it's going to be really good. I'm excited for it. I think they're doing kind of Netflix is starting to do a really good job of of just recreating the uh, the animes or the cartoons and and keeping a lot of the feel of it. Um, and, and really, it's because they're westernizing the production a lot more. Uh, a, a lot of the the concerns and and feedback that we've been getting on the live action ap- the adaptations have been, and I hate to say it, the Japanese have been the ones doing the live action adaptations of the animes and they have a different style when it comes to uh, making movies and those types of things. So if you watch any type of Japanese movies or Korean movies and everything, they're very different. And so people here, especially here in the West, aren't feeling the live action action adaptations because of that. And so Netflix have kind of figured that out. And they're, what they're doing is they're taking the, the Japanese animation and they're westernizing the live act, at live adaptations, and it's coming over really, really well. So I think that's kind of the shift that's happening there. Uh, so we're going to start seeing some really good live action adaptations. And another live ad- action adaptation that's coming out is Gargoyles. So if you guys liked Gargoyles from you know back in the '90s, that was one of my favorite cartoons growing up. They're making a live action adaptation of that too. So Netflix is out there killing it, man. So we'll see. We'll see how all of those go. Last thing that I have is uh, Robin Williams is going to be starring as Genie again, posthumously. So, And they're not using AI uh, to recreate his voice or anything like that, but they're creating a short with Robin Williams' voice from all of the outtakes from Aladdin, and they're going to create a short based on that. So that's just kind of cool to be able to kind of take those outtakes, create a new short. We get a little bit of Robin Williams uh, after he has passed away. So that's uh, a pretty dope little thing that Disney's going to be doing for us. So... That's all I got, man. Thank you for that. Uh, I'm excited about Gargoyles. Definitely excited about uh, Avatar. The whole thing going on between Israel and Palestine is just still... It's, it, you see what happened with Chappelle? Mm-mm. What happened with that? He, he mentioned the war during his stand-up and He's, a member of the audience told him to shut up. All he said was, from what I can tell, is that he doesn't think people should lose their job for supporting Palestine. So, like... Did the divide in opinions over this war, man? It's yeah, it's it's huge. Man. My uh, my wife has a uh, well, had a student who's Palestinian, and we forget that these people have kids, and you know, like they're humans, right? They're it's not. And, Say that part again. They are humans, and just to hear this kid talk about like how, like there's we only talk about one side of the story, one side of, you know, and, and I'm not here to be a political analyst. I'm not here to talk about, you know, who's right or who's wrong. That's, that's not what I'm here to do. I'm just saying, um, be more informed, you know, before you make your opinion. Um, propaganda is a mother. Yeah. I'll, I'll just say that. And if you're not informed, humanize everybody. That 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 might be the best thing. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, when you're when you don't know better, just 
just think of the golden rule, just humanize everybody, you know, and, you know, we've talked about this several times. Just I think about what you were saying earlier, uh, Buff, about uh, the Colbert um, interview where you 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 take the good and the bad of life. Right. The kind of that's the, that's the gist of it. Mm-hmm. And I still work through some of the things we saw and experienced in Afghanistan but one thing it helped me do is humanize people. When you see somebody on their deathbed or you see somebody that fear, fear doesn't know a language, fear doesn't know a religion, fear doesn't know like people experience the same emotions. The look in somebody's eye when they think they might be taking their last breath or realizing that they have only a few moments left is the same. These are human beings and I'm not trying to be a sympathizer for one side or the other. I'm just saying the fighters, let them fight. But those fighters, they have neighbors who are innocent. You know, they have kids who have nothing to do with it. There's people that just just live in Gaza, right? Like there's just this is what this is where where is that? Just like we tell people to move out of. Name a city in America that has something going on. The crime, Flint's water, you know, Jackson, Jackson, when their water and all the stuff was going on, we just tell people to move. Life's not that easy. I'll, I'll just say that you guys hit on some good points. So I'm just going to make a uh, observation that I was lucky enough to come across. What was let me ask you this? What was your, one of your favorite video games when you were like young? Say pre ninety, pre ninety. Mike Tyson's punch out. Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson's punch out. What about you, bro? But me, Razi. Oh, that's so hard. So many of them. Uh, I'm gonna say Super Mario three. Super Mario three. Why'd you like Punch Out, Buff? Uh, I was huge Mike Tyson fan. The game was fun in itself and challenging. And uh, I was beginning to like boxing a lot back then. What about you, Razi? Why? Um, the visuals, the play, it was hard, but not too hard. Um, you know, it, it was, it's a good game. It's a really good game. Yeah. 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 The yeah. different suits. The, yeah. You know what <laughs> <Right>. I mean? <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to say this buff. Yours might, uh, kind of be a one-off, uh, against my, my observation. So checkpoints and auto save weaken the human race. You had before that, you gotta think when you were growing up playing video games, either you sat down and played it, you might even just turn the TV off and hope to God your mama didn't turn the, uh, the game off. But once you died, life was over. Like, think about it. Once you died in Mario 3, once you lost all your lives, you could have got to World 6 2. Once you lost all mm-hmm. your lives, it's over. Guess what you do? Yep. Start back over. Start back over. You know, and so, you know, I was debating with somebody the other day saying, you know what? They kind of now kids don't know what it is like to lose. Like I was watching the video and a kid was playing a video game with their dad and uh, some old game. And when when they lost, when they lost, like the game was over and they were they were waiting on a reset or the save or go back to the checkpoint. It's like, no, nah, it's like start screen. 
It's like I feel like I feel like Mario Three didn't they have the same feature on that mm-mm. one? I feel like they did. Nope. They, nope. Nope. Mm-hmm. My, Mike Tyson Punch Out is the only game I can really remember that had a save. And it had, because it had the codes. Yeah, the codes. It wasn't saved. Yeah, code. so you, yeah, yeah, you could you can code. You can skip back up yeah, to the so, person. Yeah. Um. And that was crazy because I'm like, man, that generation that doesn't know how to lose, where everybody gets a, you know, a trophy. <laughs> that was the beginning of the trophy generation. You know, everybody gets a trophy. Everybody gets to um, start back over. But if you would have saw how distraught this kid was when they realized they had sat down and played for like two hours, and it was some probably random Disney game like Aladdin, and. Those used to be so hard. Yeah. Disney made their game yeah. way too hard. And then you you play oh. you do all that just to have to start over. You know, because I think about how many games did you really beat? You, you had to be a gamer to really beat a game back in the day. Mm-hmm. It couldn't be, you yeah. know, like my son plays Sonic on um his iPad all the time. And he is about to die. He'll stop and reset and start back over at the beginning of that board. You know, uh, it's it might take him two weeks to beat a single board. Back in the day, mm-hmm. you had to you had to hope that you can get back to that board with just enough lives to start over and practice again. So if you wanted to beat Mario 6-2, uh, you had to get all the way back to 6-2 to try to beat it again. And there's no promise that you get back. Because you can get back. With, one day you might get back with four lives. One day you might get back with one life. May the odds be ever in your favor. So, take the auto save off. <laughs> some games, yeah, some games they've taken it off. They they don't let you do that. You so, know, checkpoints, all that hard. stuff. You know, like I remember playing yeah. many games. Like just, you know, like you're about to die. Just, just let me get to the checkpoint. That's all that matters. If I can get to the checkpoint, I'm good. Mm-hmm. So, that was just something that I found comical this this week. Uh, it's Sophia available. She is not. You guys got me, but uh, let me see. I think I got one. Yay, yay, yay. Aretha Franklin. So, <laughs> all right. Uh, why is water heavier than butane? Because it's a lighter fluid. Not bad. <laughs> not bad. Not bad. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's that's a good one. That's, yeah, that's, that's, go. probably, that's probably on your um, stone mountain of uh, jokes because it can't be. Yeah, nowhere to go but up yeah. after last week. <laughs> yeah, so. I, I want I want to personally apologize to the audience. <laughs> that was like even after I said I was like, man, that was a bad one. Yeah. <laughs> if you acknowledge it was bad, then. <laughs> Oh, that's 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 tough. Was that Dion Cole? Like strike that one off? Like, nope. <laughs> he still does that, and that that little bit in his 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 sketches or his hilarious. Uh, his yeah, sets hilarious. are hilarious. <laughs> that that was that was an ingenious signature signature uh, add on. Forget mm-hmm. him, by the way, because he almost made me cry at the end talking about his mom and stuff. I'm like, mm. I'm supposed to be laughing. Stop. <laughs> He's a good one. All right, who wants to jump in first? I, um, I, pre- I can't. Okay, I, good. I prefer I to go I last because I want to. I want to see where you guys go. I have several different. Yeah, and 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 okay. you guys probably know where I'm going. Um, I said I was going to save my uh information or or my responses for the show. So you guys probably have seen, or I know you guys have seen, because we chatted about it a little bit in the uh, group. But um, Juicy J has said that hip hop is falling off. 
and he stated facts, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Listenership for hip hop is down almost 40%. Um, we we rarely have a top 100 number one spot. And if we do, they're only very, very like brief. So we stay on the top of the charts one week, two right. weeks, and then we're done. Um, so there's no longevity at the top. We don't hit it that often anymore. And then general listenership of hip hop is kind of on the decline. So I want it you guys's opinions and thoughts on why why is that why is hip-hop going through this this downfall so many different ways i believe it has it oh man we we're gonna we're gonna sound like the the old get off our lawn guys <laughs> but hey you know what as fur can tell you guys i have taken up for the younger generation probably more than anybody in my generation when it comes to this type of stuff but i gotta say it I think the craft and the art is not taken as seriously as it used to be. I think it's viewed upon as a quick lick, some quick money, and it's it is very easy to get into now. Uh, I think with other music genres, it's still it's tra- you still kind of have to go about it the traditional way. Uh, but with rap, you just got to come up with something catchy. And I point to that as a reason is because there are like literally, I forgot what our friend Mike, a.k.a. Bruce said, but I'm sure the number was exaggerated, but he was like on a daily basis. It's like 40,000 new artists, artists every day uploading some type of music. You can't keep up. So it's like, oh, man, like if you think Glorilla was, I'm not calling her whack. I don't want her fans to come for me. But if you thought Glorilla was whack. You're probably thinking, it can't get any worse than that. And then Sexy Red comes. <laughs> like, oh, damn, what? It definitely can't get any worse than that. And then I'm on Twitter and I see this new chick who's like, and for, from what I know, Sexy Red is at least from the hood, from, from all the things that I know about her. Then there's this new chick with a red wig on. Her mom's a doctor, her dad's a dentist, and she's cosplaying, rapping hood lyrics, trying to make it like that. So now... You got the pretenders and you still got the people that still come from the environment and everybody's just trying, like Michael Irvin called his son out on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if you guys saw that. He was like, man, my son raps and I'm listening to his songs and he's like, you ain't do none of that. You grew up in a gated community your whole life. <laughs> so like you got people that are cosplaying. You got people that are really from that life. They're all doing it. It's so easy. And us as consumers, it really is hard to keep up unless you like just rock with the top guys like a Drake or a J. Cole or a Kendrick Lamar, people like that. It's it's really hard to keep up. So it's I, I think it's hard for an artist to stay on top because within a week, 18,000 new artists have come out with a catchy song that you want to listen to. And so we we're just all over the place. The art is not taken as seriously as it was. No one really cares about message not saying you do I'm just saying that's the type of stuff that gives you staying power to this day you see people still using Tupac lyrics for especially during like a lot of the Black Lives Matter protests and black people against the police people was quoting Tupac lyrics I seen people quoting DMX lyrics to certain like artists in the past had songs and lyrics that withstand time versus you know, I'm in Miami looking for the hoochie daddies. I mean, I, I guess that could stand time. I guess people will always be looking for hoochie daddies. But 
it's just different, man, and it's not taking it seriously. <clears throat> My answer is right along with yours, Buff. Um, but I think it's 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 almost like it's two different genres. You have your mm. your hip hop artists who are mainstay. So think of those like you know we talked about Netflix. We talked about several series that we stream, and then you might be watching over the seasons, right? You know, so you might have a Drake who might be suits, right? He's he's something that's been around for a while. You know, you can watch season after season. You can go back and listen to it. You know, and then you have. You have a Glorilla, you have a Sexy Red or something like that, or not even maybe them, because they might be something that's out for a season. But you have a lot of one hit wonders who who are like TikTok videos. Like you have Mm -hmm. you can sit there and watch a thousand TikTok videos. You're not going to watch that video over again. You know, you'll watch it a couple of times and you, you keep moving. There's a new TikTok video coming out every probably second. You know, I wonder how many TikTok videos drop every second. And so it's almost like these guys are more influencers and they're they're hitting on what's popular for that day. You know, um, like somebody made, you know, they made they made videos about the Montgomery thing. Like it's that's that's the world we live in. And they're also appealing in the thing about it. It's not for us because they are appealing to people who are the TikTok generation. People aren't going buying CDs. They're not buying Source Magazine. They're not trying to listen to the lyrics. They're not trying to learn all these things the same way we did. So it's not really for us. It's it's not meant to be. I don't know if the longevity is supposed to be there anymore. You know, uh, it's, you know, and you kind of hit on a really good point with, I'm not even say the talent. I feel like these people probably have talent, but it's talent doesn't necessarily sell. It's popularity and being in that moment in hip hop, um, even going back to the original uh, days of hip hop, the biggest. We saw that with the election of our president last time. <laughs> yeah. The the biggest thing, the biggest thing about hip hop uh, naysayers in the beginning is they didn't see it as art. They didn't see it as music. Right. Because all these dudes are doing is taking somebody else's music and putting words over it. You're not playing an instrument. You're not doing this. You're not honing your vocal skills. You're not, you know, those things aren't there. And so you go from people who actually took this as a as an art and spent time DJing and perfecting and becoming an MC and all this stuff to people who just, you know, if I can come out with a catchy dance and a catchy saying and I got somebody who can make some catchy beats because the producers are probably the at this point the people that's keeping hip I I don't even call it hip hop keeping this genre alive it's the beats and the hooks you know Mm -hmm. so what you got Rising? I want to go next by the way yeah I I agree with you guys I I think I I talked a little bit about it in, in the chat when I said that I think people give labels such a bad name but I think a little bit of what they did was way through the trash Right. (laughs) So you might have a good artist that didn't get it, um, Mm. you know, found or whatever. But at the same time, those A&Rs were out there and like looking for those folks that had that staying power. The industry and the labels were putting that money into people being able to, you know, 
do interviews, <laughs> right? Stage presence, like all that stuff that you're not getting from these artists. The bar for entry has gone so low that we are getting a lot of, oh, that's catchy. It gets caught up on TikTok because that's what people are chasing because that's how you get found. And then maybe you can get, you know, um, a, a deal with a label. Uh, and so I think that's what's happening now is that we're seeing the the entry points of everybody and they get signed to a label and we don't see the grind of them working to where they become like a really good artist because of you talked about that cycle being so fast right uh so i think what's happening is we're just getting a lot of trash we're getting or not trash but a lot of entry points we're getting a lot of people that are very early in their careers and they have this one breakout hit and so it hits the TikTok charts. So then it, um, producers or, or program managers pick it up. It gets airplay and it gets on the radio and all the other stuff. And so now, boom, they, that person's a star with their first hit. If you go back and you listen to DMX's first hit or his first underground hit or even Wayne when he first started or Drake when they first started rapping, it sounds generally like <laughs> what we're getting from these brand new artists, right? It's like... All right, the the wordplay is not all that great, you know. They're they're missing the beat sometimes, all of this, but it's just it's so catchy that now they get this this national attention from it. Um, and where if a label caught them at that right at whatever the little open mic thing is in the local town, or you know you sent your demo in and they can see that you got it, but they want to perfect it, you may go up under another artist for two three four years you know on their on their tour and so you're learning from them and you're you're spitting with them and you're perfecting that craft to where now when you do drop your first studio album or your first album it it sounds good and so now you can come back and you can have that longevity we're not getting that because of that cycle it's it's too fast the downfall of that and downfall of hip-hop comes from that's all we're getting right because labels are looking at the next big thing next big thing next big thing and they don't have the the chops to be able to say i'm gonna get a second hit i'm gonna get a third hit i'm gonna get a fourth hit so the label needs their money back right or that person doesn't want to become irrelevant so they need another hit so they go find a producer that can do that good beat and they get that good hook and then their flows are still sucky and and so you end up where we get these hits so-called hits where everybody's listening to them because that's what the radio's playing because that's who's hot but it's not going to hit the hip hop charts or it'll hit the hip hop charts, but it won't hit the hot 100 charts because of it. it, It's not going to have that crossover appeal. Everybody's not going to listen to it, right? It's not going to be that one that it can get outside of just hip hop. And so I I think that's where hip hop is going to kind of shrink in on itself. And truthfully, I hate to say it, but I, I think, uh, country is going to make a comeback and probably in the next 10 years you're going to see a lot more country uh, hits hit the uh, top 100 and, and be in that top 5 because they're uh, they're appropriating a lot of hip hop culture when you talk about the beats the flows and everything like that and they're just putting that country spin on it and that twang so I think country music actually is going to end up being the next big thing and they're going to come back and to overtake hip hop so you hear, heard it here fo- uh, first for folks <laughs> I don't know if I agree with um, the underground songs from past artists are pretty much what you're getting from these new artists. I don't see any comparison to that. But I do agree with what Ferg said. 
that the music just isn't for us. And so the bright side can be, especially for the younger generation, is your 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 sexy reds, your glorillas, or any artist that comes out that you are vibing with, they may have to tour more in order to get money. Because I don't I I don't think the younger generation are buying is buying music like we did. You know what I mean? Like you can just you can pull it up on YouTube or or Apple Music. I guess you have to we pay for Apple Music, right? Right. Or even YouTube though, they they pay for the streams, so the number of streams, yeah. So they have album sale equivalents and so they're maybe uh, generally that, yeah. Yeah. So like I don't think like look at like Dr. Dre. I think his last tour was the Up and Smoke tour, Mm -hmm. maybe. So like some of our artists didn't tour that much. So maybe these artists, once they see that the money isn't in isn't as much in those streams and stuff, maybe they'll have to tour more or whatever. That's just a guess, though. Okay. Good question. Man, I thought I was going to go last because I wanted to see where the show was going to go. But Rodzi's question uh, was a perfect segue into my number one question on my list. Um, So I'm going to start by this, you know, like asking uh, prep questions. So who is your favorite artist of all time? Uh, Rapper. Oh, Tupac. I'm gonna say big just to be no. <laughs> uh, it's probably Pac for me too <laughs> truthfully <laughs> okay okay mine I could go Pac I could go I'm gonna just go Nas I just like lyrically Nas good pick yep so the reason I asked that question and it kind of was a segue from your question is Pac you know what I had to take Pac off the list living artist Oh, It'll living artist. Oh, man. Favorite? <sighs> Crap. He's not been consistent in a long time, but probably Lil Wayne. Okay. So, my question is, should there be a cutoff age for rappers? Nope. Nope. No other genre of music or musician has to retire. Could older rappers be the missing link to why hip hop and things are falling off? No, we have older rappers. Are they as not consistent? Are they putting out the same amount of music? Like, yeah. Well, well, your 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 answer, Nas. He's dropped five albums in the last three years. And how many of those are making top anything list? So I don't know what top list he made, but in comparison, he's been selling out arenas, Yankee Stadium, things like that. Lil Baby has had to cancel shows in the same year this year. Other other artists of the younger younger generation have had to cancel a couple of shows here and there due to sales as well. Yeah, I mean, so and, and when you when you all talk the, about all the artists, all the artists are thriving. Yeah, yeah, Jake is dropping an album I, right I, now. It'll hit number one. Right, and like, Jay, if, if Wu Tang decided to drop a new album, it would hit number one. Right, Met the Man dropped an album last year, uh, and one of his songs hit uh, top twenty-five. So you know, it, it's they are still out there making music. Uh, it's just that it's overshadowed by the amount of music from the younger generation. But I think they're still out there, and I think that's what ends up happening. Right, as as the 
just the, the genre evolves, right? The the tastes of the people that are listening evolve. You're gonna have that older generation that either they jump on the bandwagon so they can get the number one spot, right? They can get all the streams from the the all the way down to the twelve year olds, or they're gonna stay in their lane with the group that knows their flow and knows what they're talking about and feels them, and maybe have some 12 year olds right some 16 year olds that listen but not as many and i think that's what ends up happening right they drop the music and so they're not going to hit the top 100 because you know most of you talk about 30 and under kids aren't really feeling what they're talking about as much um because you uh, know that, I believe, so i think it's that I believe kendrick lamar kendrick's not old i think kendrick lamar went number one last but year and how does kendrick lamar he's he's old He's, yeah, like he's, I, he's like thirties. He's been around. He's been around long enough to not be considered a younger artist. You know what I mean? He's not like in the same class of a a money bag. Yo. So, so let me clarify. So, what I mean is, so I'll, you brought up country earlier. The number one selling country artist in America right now is Carrie Underwood. Mm-hmm. Carrie Underwood's our age, right? Um, if you look at like you two all these people can tour and pack out stadiums and like they, they can be the top of their genre. There's no retirement age. The older they get their music still holds and stuff like that because people don't expect, you know, a lot of people like I, I talk to young kids all the time. Drake Now Drake is old to them, you know, like in yeah. their mind, Drake yeah, is old, is. you know, we're like Drake's still <laughs> a young book. Jay-Z, Jay-Z's kind of like, he's the goat, you know, you, and some of them still disrespect Jay-Z, you know, it is what it is. And even aspiring artists, like after, if you ain't, if you ain't got a record deal by 30, nigga, you need to, you need to retire. Like you don't need, you need, rapping is, rapping ain't for you. Like there's a cutoff age for people. Maybe some of our artists that are older that have made it, it can, can still stay in, but you can be on the country scene. Like I was at, um, I was in Nashville last year. And every club you go in, people are still trying to make it big. And there's no like age cutoff to becoming a up and coming country singer. Like you can you can you can peak at 35, not peak. You can you can be discovered at 35, 40. Um, in the, the interview I was watching, I think it was with uh, it might have been on Drink Champs or I forgot. It was one of these interviews and they were just talking about how. Uh, we we ask or we give a short lifespan to our rappers like if you ain't made it by then like give it up and because once you start and if you're older and you start rapping about you know real you're not rapping about you know you got a wife and kids you ain't rapping about the dope game you ain't rapping about Percocets and Molly and all this stuff people ain't here to hear that now maybe we are but is there enough? Is there enough of us to keep them at the top? And it's like you'll go to a Carrie Underwood concert. You go to all these other genres of music, and they can retire or tour and still put out music that makes makes it out to the general public. It, 40, it's, 50, it's the 60, genre, though. Like, it's it, it's it's what the genre talks about. It, feels is that, right like the, the country 
Right. And that's again why I say I think that it's gonna come back and kind of overtake country. It's all about the story. It's all about living the life, right? Or or the the yeah. slow life, the country life, the the you know. And and so well, you I can, can talk be about my second. I can talk about my second divorce in a country song. That. Yeah, yeah, I can. Yeah, I can talk about that. And 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 that's gonna hit it, with the country audience. Versus, you know, it, you talk about that in rap and hip hop. It just doesn't hit the same. Um. And so I, I do think that there a, is somewhat of a shelf life on being discovered in the rap game. So maybe that's it. It's like, I, I do think you, you're you not so, going to be 40 and, and come out and be like, oh, boom, this is the new rapper out there. So if you're talking shelf life as far as an established artist, can they still, like, do they have to hang it up at some time? Then my answer is no. Because, like, I don't know how old 50 Cent is, but he's like, in the midst of a tour now with Busta Rhymes and they're selling out arenas. But are they putting out new, but, new, uh, but, new but music? If, but if you're talking about being discovered, then yeah, with new, with I, new I think, music. Uh, I don't. He he makes new music, but I don't know so, which one. Maybe that's the same part. Yeah, I mean, it, but, it's like, like a lot of collabs. Still, like Busta was on uh, a song out. last year. But I mean, these other like you two, are they making new music or are they just still touring off the same they stuff? They still make. They're still dropping albums. Like you, but like, like, like you asked, are they selling? Yes. Yeah, they're not. They're, like YouTube's they, not making. Saying, not, like, well, they're they're selling, but they're not they're not hitting the top one hundred uh, chart either. Yeah. Right. So they're they're doing about the same as Nas is doing, and about, about like all these other artists yeah. that like our long in the tooth artists or whatever. They're doing about the same numbers as our Nas's and everybody else. So <laughs> I, I, like, I like that long in the tooth. <laughs> <laughs> I like that long in the tooth. <laughs> so they're, they're, I I think when you talk about that, those rock bands from the eighties and stuff that are still kind of dropping music like that, it, it's it's they're they're selling enough to continue on their tour, have new music and everything like that. I mean, but I, I look at it no different than some of our R&B artists, right? That are the old R&B artists are still dropping music, but nobody's really talking about it. They're not, you know, hitting the yeah. 100 hit charts from they, that. As soon as they play that new stuff, don't nobody want to hear that. Is it, is it, are we stuck in a, uh, is our music category stuck in a, does it have a shelf life with youth? Like, you know, I'm 42, almost 43. You know, is there a uh, a rapper who's making music for us? I, I'll tell you, that yeah. it's I just, funny. I don't, yeah, know, I don't I, know if that's limited to our our genres, though. Like, like look at Michael, Michael Jackson is the greatest pop star ever. His new stuff ain't compared to his old stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he wasn't selling like that. He, ne- he never topped Thriller. Whatever Thriller sold at, he never topped that. And each album after sold less and but less that, and less. Because that was a number one selling album artist. in the world. Like no other album. But that but that is an example of the greatest artist who couldn't even do what you're asking. I just can't doing better, it consistently top, I'm just top, saying top. Can it, he still was he still what was I'm, what I'm saying, it wasn't like that, that video he had with Chris Chris Tucker. What's the name of that song? Like you can ask ten people, they wouldn't be able to tell you. Like his later songs were not popping. Yeah. So is it rap, R and B? No, I think it's. I think it's all all genres. All genres evolve, and and the older artists either does one or two things, right? They stick to what they do and what they're good at, um, 
like Ike Turner said, you know, we're going to do what we're going to do. And, and, or they're going to be Tina Turner and be like, I'm going to get into this rock thing and I'm going to move forward. Right. I'm, I'm either going to stay blues and, and, and or oh, yeah. I'm going to move forward. So, but I saw an article oh, and they like were talking Billy about Ray Cyrus and, and jump on with, uh, Lil Nas X. Lil Nas X, right. <laughs> I saw an article they were talking about Drake is, is in this conundrum now of, everybody kind of talks about Drake and how he recreates himself and he always, he's doing all these features with the young artists and he if you listen to his initial albums to what it is today it is is very different right it's a different Drake almost every time he drops an album because Drake is one that will jump on the new bandwagon he's gonna sound like what is hitting right now and that's how he's actually surpassed Michael as the most number one hits right and all of that like because he always evolves with the music instead of saying I'm going to do what I do and the music or you know the audience needs to stay with me Uh, so Drake has gotten smart about that and too many artists try to stick to what they do and they don't evolve with the music and they end up aging out so I, I think that's more so why you have that shelf life or you see that downfall of sales for each artist as they get older because they don't evolve with the taste of the genre. Can can Drake, Drake still do that at 45? I think so. As long as he as long as he he because he has the wordplay and the charisma to be able to kind of still do the 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 superstar stuff. I don't think anybody cares if he's doing it over a drill beat or he's doing it over a trap beat or he's doing it over whatever the next type of beat, you know, that comes out. And he's 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 gone from a poetry type of flow to a triplet flow to he's even mumbled a little bit on a couple of albums, right? Like I I think that's the thing about Drake. Drake is going to act as he needs to act for the audience of that day. Maybe Drake, and I think because his content is a little different too. I think content that we can put, and I think that was the part of the bigger questions, like the content of a lot of like. To me, the content of hip hop almost has an age limit uh, for a lot of popular artists. You know, uh, I don't think so. I I, I think bag. I think you can talk about you can talk about generally anything. You just have to talk about it in the the way that they want to receive it, right? Like you could look at Dreams and Nightmares came out and it hit. Preach came out and it hit, right? Uh, and, and so you've got those, and then now you're moving into kind of this hot girl summer and if you look at if you listen to radio right now you have more female artists uh, that are actually getting played than male artists and so we're in this era right now of just a hot girl ish and all of that and so guys are kind of having to kind of get in where they fit in on stuff right uh you, and and but you have folks like gonna coming out like with f you mean and all that so there, there's new artists that are being able to do some of the the other stuff that's not generally like, oh, I'm selling drugs, I'm doing Molly, yada, yada, yada. They're moving outside of that. Um, and then you always have your J. Coles and Kendricks and all of that that can talk about a lot of different things. So I, Killer Mike. Killer Mike. I, I, you know, so those, those My- songs are coming out and, and they're getting play. So we, ha- we run the gambit of what we can talk about. It's just really how you're talking about it. And that's what I mean. I, I think artists have to get on to what people are wanting on triplets if you're not rapping in triplets right now you're probably not going to get a lot of beat if you're really trying to tell a whole full story instead of like your hook being most of what you're worried about um you're probably not going to get a lot of play so that's the part when i talk about artists have to actually 
deliver the message in how people want to listen to it today. If you're still rapping like you were in the early 2000s, you're not going to hit the top 40. I'm not saying style. You always got to adapt your style. Your style. I'm just saying your content. Style and content are two different things to me. Yeah. So, and I agree there, but you talk about it. Like Drake can talk about all these other things, right? Being in love and all of that stuff. I, I, I think it's out there. There's the ability to do it, but the people who want to talk about it aren't adapting their style to actually hit the charts with it. If if Drake's still whining and super emo at 45, then uh, we got Drake got a bigger problem. <laughs> and that's why I was asking, could he keep it up? Like, you know, that emo thing, emo Drake at 45. There's is always different. there's always going to be a group of people that need that emo stuff. I you know it is. <laughs> I, I I just hope best of luck, uh, brother Drake. I just hope at 45 you ain't still. Um, over here, <laughs> you know, talking about the not even talking about the same thing, delivering your your emo, pass it on to uh, young Ali. Ali could be a rapper. Ali would definitely be a Drake. I can see Ali as a rapper, and he would definitely yeah, rap Ali, like Drake. Just, super just be the lover boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so now, okay, Buff, what you got? Um. So, uh, first off, what up, Contentville? Powered by Inspire You On Air, the new beat of the bay. Um, I was listening to, uh, shout out to the Bruh's Bookshelf, by the way. Please continue doing what you're doing. I love the content. In a world of billions of podcasts, if you're looking to listen to a podcast that's different, check them out. If you're looking to get into some books and don't know where to start, check them out. You can read along with them. They break the books down in a, a very uh, entertaining way. And they don't all, they hardly ever agree, as a matter of fact. They read the same book and you get like four different perspectives on that book. So check them out. But I was listening to their episode on the color purple. And they mentioned, uh, I believe it was Lenny. One of them mentioned the strength of uh, Seely. And so I'm not a color purple expert by no stretch of the imagination. I've only seen the movie like maybe one and a half times. But when he said it, it kind of just, I like, I really went into like a deep thought. I'm like, strength, hmm. Like she did go through a lot, but is that strength? So my question to you guys is, what is strength? Is strength dealing with something like, in this case, Celie's character, she dealt with a lot from childhood all the way up to adulthood. Is it dealing with something and and being strong enough not to, you know, uh, what some people would say, take the easy way out and commit suicide? Or is strength like she does, I guess you could say, fight back towards the end of the movie? So what do you consider strength? Because I'm looking at it and it's like, okay, I think she was resilient. I think, you know, she, you know, dealt with a lot and didn't so-called take the easy way out. But if you consider suicide the easy way out, then doesn't that bring up a whole different conversation on how we look at suicide? Because every mental health awareness month, I'm hearing how suicide is not being a coward. We all go through things and some people are not able to deal with it. So I don't know. I don't know if you're able to follow me on that question, but it did, it definitely left a lot of thinking to me. So, 
What is strength in your opinion? Do you agree that Steely's character in that book and movie displays strength and why? I'll, I'll start. Uh, I listened to that episode. Really good episode. Um, yeah, it was. I think they kind of hit it on it. You know, when they talked about as it's easy on the outside to look at Celi as a weak character because so many people kind of shit on her, right? And compared to Sophia's character. Yes. Because mm-hmm. Sophia was just, you know, Sophia didn't take any shit. But yeah. at the same time, it's, I think there's no, just like people are different, the way they, they, Show their strength. Okay. Are different. So Celie, like you said, she went through a lot. She was raped as a child. Her father, who ended up being her actual stepfather, uh, got her pregnant. So gave her kid away. She lost her child. Was forced to be married to a abusive husband, and who raped her constantly. She had kids by him who treated her bad. She had kids, his kids from a former marriage that treated her bad. She had to raise them and be their subordinate. Like they talked to her like, um, and then when they got older and all this stuff, but at the end of the day, Celie was a rock. Everybody depended on Celie. Mister depended on her. Um, Harpo. Sophia, they all came to her for advice. Suge, everybody came as weak as Celie was. She was, they were all would have crumbled without her. Even at the end of the book, that's why, you know, um, like when they were all sitting around the table, you know, it was, it was them all coming. And that's when she kind of had her awakening, you know, her, her moment where she's like, I'm over this. But she she was super strong, and I think strength is the strength is there's not a single definition because there's not a single journey for people. Um, some people who, you know, like Sophia, who at, to me at the first sign of any animosity or any any uh, anything difficult, see, she's gonna buck up. She's not going to. She's not gonna let her fester. She's gonna she's gonna fight for it. She's a fighter. Celie's not a fighter. Um, I was uh, not putting the two together. I was having a very similar conversation with one of my siblings the other day about my mom. Um, and I admire her strength. Um, ooh, shit, you miss it. My mom was one of the strongest people I've ever met in my life. She's been through a lot. And her resiliency. She finds a way to find happiness. She's just not resilient. Like every time I find her or talk to her. Things that could have broke other people. I wish I had that. I mean. Is something about her. Now, I don't know if she's just putting on or whatever, but even now, you know, she's lost. She's been divorced. She's lost her husband. She's lost everything and things that could have broke other people. 
and it seems she she always comes out better for it. Like she she's even happier now. And um She's never been a traditional fighter. So I don't think that fight has to be the strength that you're looking for. It's just how you handle the situations that are put in front of you. And okay, I'm done. I'm done. I got you. No. Yeah. I I I agree. I I will say Oh, I was gonna say, so can I can I remix the question for you, Rozzy? And you can still answer that one. So in her situation, because every scenario I think of, because like Ferts correctly stated, strength can be shown in so many different ways. Every scenario I think of what she could have done could be explained as an example of strength. So in that same scenario, what would be considered not the opposite of strength? Not being strong in it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I won't... Bro, you had me tearing up for a second, man. Um, but yeah, that's a three brothers it, first, by the way. Yeah, it, I will say, what is strength? I'll just define that first off. Um, I, I think strength is the ability to endure. So, um, if you ever, there's so many ways that you have to endure, right? Some and and kind of going back to that whole "we are not our ancestors" conversation, and people talk about that, right? And and because they feel like they they would have done something differently. And so that's why they say we're not our ancestors. Um, whereas I think I'm 100% my ancestors. I, I I know when to fight, when to be quiet, when to sit back. Um, you know, Dave Chappelle has that skit when keeping it real goes wrong. And I think that's, that's really ultimately what we talk about when you talk about oh you want to be strong so you want to be uh sophia instead of seely right you want to be the boisterous one you want to be the one to buck the system you don't want to want to be the one to fight but if you watch the movie sophia or read the book really it's even more uh evident there but sophia was broken right so when you talk about the strength and is it just fighting all the time for a long time after Sophia got beaten and locked up and everything, when she was that maid for a little while for the little old white lady, right? She was quiet. She she knew her place, right? She had gotten into her place for a long, long time. Uh, so they she broke, got broken. They broke, her. they broke her, right? They never yeah. broke Sophia, uh, so, um, uh, Seely, right? See. They never broke her. Yeah. Seely was that one that she was quiet. She was going to handle it. Right, like you talk about, everybody came to her and asked uh, questions, and they needed her, and they leaned on her for support, and she endured it all, and she was able to show up and for like your mom, right? It's like that thing where no matter what's happening in the life, I, I can get raped, get hit in the head with a rock, and get up and still cook breakfast because I got to take care of this family, right? I got to make sure we're good. I'm gonna endure and I'm gonna live this life because I gotta work inside the confines because I gotta be here for everybody else and I'm gonna show up for everybody else no matter what. So I, I definitely agree that Seeley was strong. She was probably the strongest character in that entire air, um, you know, a movie or or book. Because when you think uh, look at it, she was the one that never changed. She was the constant. Everybody else was coming to her moving they, they were switching it up right uh you talk about uh what's her name the one hoppo's my man and her squeaks right squeaks was there and she she ended up changing harpo changed she figured out that he wasn't this alpha male that his dad was trying to make him to be and he had to change but sophia was that constant 
Uh, and when you talk about being somebody's rock, when you talk about that strength, that's really being able to be strong and lean into who you are uh, and be able to fight the system from within and, and, and be that quiet voice of reason to be able to kind of endure because some things aren't going to change overnight. And so Phil was able to stay there that entire time. So uh, buff to your question about what would have been kind of a, a you know, a, a depiction of non-strength there would have been maybe her breaking and retreating from everything, right? And saying, I'm not going to raise these kids. And, you know, it may not be suicide, but it may be like a self-imposed suicide. Well, I know Mr. Mike kill me if I don't do this, but I'm just not going to do it. So there's this, there's a scene or there's a part in the book when, and we talked about different characters. We talked about Sophia, the fighter. When she was shaving Mr. And she was at her, she was at her wits end, right? There's a lot of people who are fed up in prison because they, they broke the situation mm-hmm. broke them. And they, it was a, there's a, a crime of passion. They had a weak moment where they couldn't take it anymore. She thought about it. She thought about slitting and you know, they, they, they go, it's very descriptive of how she thought about slitting his neck. Like she could have killed him. In the movie, uh, I think was it Shug? Who? Somebody yeah, grabbed Shug, her hand Shug, from doing. Yeah, she Shug saw it in her eyes. Up, it was like, yeah, she yeah. saw it in her eyes. But he, but she shaved him. I don't think. He, I don't think she. He, I don't know. If, I don't know if he shaved. She shaved him anymore after that, though. Yes, <laughs> she did. You know what? You you guys are right. Um, her her strength actually broke Mister. Mister was already broken too. He, though. he was broken. He was using. Yeah. He, he took out what, his what he learned from his father. Yeah, he took out his, and that's why he abused Harpo. It was just a, it was a, mm. uh, it was just from father to son, and yeah. um, he was taking out his abuse on Celie. He can control her, but like even what he did at the end, I felt like that probably was a version of her breaking him. Like she, she proved she didn't. He convinced himself that she needed him, mm-hmm. and she showed that once she left, she never came back. Despite what he yelled at her as she was leaving, you'll be back and things like that. Mm-hmm. So great answers, man. Um, got some emotion out of Ferg too. That was that's a first for us, but yeah, like I, I think I told you, Ferg. Like that's the podcast I listen to when I'm doing my uh, my yard work. So I always like. That helps me look forward to doing yard work because I hate doing yard work. But I know I got a bros bookshelf episode. And as I was listening, it just made me want to think because I do like to try to break down, you know, platter like uh empty platitudes and stuff sometimes. And I just I wanted to just dive into that and just really have you brothers explain what what strength was in general and just in that in that character. And I think y'all yeah. both yeah, excellent. I mean, she's, and then also they talk about the historical aspect. It's easy to judge what she is going through through a 2023 lens. Celie mm-hmm. literally had little to no rights. Her father raped her. Ain't nobody mad. Her husband raped her. She was given away. Like, this is the world they were living in. So, what is a uneducated black woman supposed to do? There's, there's not much she could do. Um, Suge was broken. Suge was everybody in that 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 book was broken, but not even broken. I'm gonna use that word because that's 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 you know 
Every, Trouble. Yeah, yeah. But that's life, right? Everybody has their trauma. Mm-hmm. Suge had daddy issues. That's why she was always going from man to man. She was trying to find love from a man because she never got it from her father. One last point. I don't think they mentioned this on the show, but I feel like the fork in the road for her character where she could have went down that road of being broken and, and returning some of the stuff that Mr. was doing to her is when she told Harpo to beat Sophia. And once Sophia, Sophia was mad at Celie, but she was hurt more than anything. And I think once she saw how hurt that advice had made Sophia, I think she, we we eventually get the, the end character that we see in her. And she doesn't take the route of the type of stuff Mr. was doing and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Being an so, enabler to all of yeah, that trauma, right? Exactly. I, I think that's that's another part of that strength, right? In yeah. kind of an example of where she could have not been strong, right? It's like, oh, I'm just going to enable this and, and continue this cycle. She broke that cycle, like for that that and and so just another depiction of that strength that yeah. she had. I think another thing was when when she found out there was people out here that loved her, like because everybody started everybody was depending on her she was just like taking the brunt of everybody's you know like as close as she got to be with suge who actually you know essentially became a lover of hers this chick is hidden this is your this is your husband's side chick like you're you're taking you bathe this you took care of her you cooked for your husband's side chick like he's he's as he ain't trying to hide it he as giddy as hell you know, and you ain't never seen this dude that happy. <laughs> and at the end of the day, everybody, you can start seeing the dependence and everybody was dependent on her. And when she found out that she still had, when she took the letters, the letters of the turnaround, when she started finding those people that loved her and cared about her. So check on your strong friends, you know, show that love. That's what gave her the strength. Um, you know, because when she found out she still had a family in Africa, wherever the hell they were, Africa, the, the, they were the whole continent. But no, it's definitely one of the best books I've read, and I probably need to read it again before the new movie comes out, which I will be going to see. So, yep. All right, folks. All righty. Let's go ahead and close on out so I can um, talk Rising to editing his take. No, you leave that oh, in, Rosie, despite, despite what he says. Um, I just want to say real quick. Uh, so if you watch The Breakfast Club, you know that DJ Envy is in a bit of trouble. Although I think he will he won't be penalized for anything. It sounded like it was all on his partner. But basically they went to this whole thing where uh, you invest with them. They flip houses and they guaranteed you money back and I just want to tell people in a world where everyone is trying to be an investor or an entrepreneur or anything like that a red flag should be when someone guarantees you a profit return mm-hmm. there is no investment that can guarantee it all investments comes with some type of risk so I'm I'm definitely saddened for it the, like there are people that invested 600 grand 385 grand with with these people and they've they've lost their money. So whenever someone guarantees you a profit, you need to be very, very cautious. Uh, So there's that. And look, a lot of times on this show, uh, the three of us 
me especially, sometimes Rosie especially, but we we kind of poo-poo on the Democrats and say how bad they are at this and bad they are at that. I want to get them their props. It's been a pretty good two and a half year run for them since the 2020 election. It's been a really good run for them. I think I complained once when we lost the governor's mansion here in Virginia uh, two years ago. But other than that, I mean, they surpassed any expectations in last year's midterms. And now you look at what's going on in the House. Like they they are literally able to sit back and they they I'm, I'm surprised they haven't released an ad that says, see, we told you all they don't know how to govern. Right. You know I mean? like, <laughs> oh, it's coming. Like, <laughs> we are now in week three of not having a speaker of the House and it is playing out in real time. And all the Democrats have to do is sit back and chill. I still think they need to be better at um Capitalizing. Uh, be, being politicians and campaigning and things like that because the numbers are in President Biden's favor. Like even crime. I know everybody is talking about how bad crime is now. You look at a lot of these numbers, they're lower or at the same as they were in the last administration and previous administration. But it's going to be covered more because that is now the right's talking point. Their talking point is to say how high crime is. So the more you show it and the more we see it, we're automatically going to say, well, they're talking about it more. So crime must be high. So do your own research on that. But I just want to come back to the point and just give them some props. They are getting some some W's here and there. So, yeah. hey, y'all need to get props more to black you. people on y'all campaign team because we can show you petty. Y'all need, y'all need, y'all need a, petty, a petty officer. Basically like, so crime is high. This is how you responded. So, um, define high for me. I don't want to make sure we're talking about the same thing. You know, <laughs> so in 2016, if the crime rate was 17, and in 2023, the crime rate is 15, how does, in your definition of high, explain that to me. <laughs> right. <laughs> help, help me exactly. understand. But and, and see, now you're forcing me to criticize them because, see, they're going along with this narrative. They're they're jumping on. Yeah, we do need to do something about this crime. Instead of saying the numbers are the same or lower, but any crime is too much crime and we will continue to do something about it and try mm-hmm. and, and curb it. Don't just go along with the narrative like you're doing, Democrats. But listen, I said I wasn't going to criticize. Good job so <laughs> far. Good job. Uh, but figure out 2024 because I'm not sure Biden can beat Trump. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm just not sure. <laughs> Byron, all you do is criticize, criticize, criticize. <laughs> now my wife set up all night. <laughs> I'm just saying, I can't see out this damn thing. That was probably one of the best parts of the movie. That that might have been a top. Oh man! If, if scenes could get Oscars, <laughs> I love that one, man. Like how hard is it to cut a gun? Oh, I like okay. I like how my okay. man reason with him at the end. Okay, Maybe we all can that. agree. <laughs> that's all I got, man. Oh man! Oh, uh, all I got, man, is. I, I talked about going back to New York and uh, seeing my team and, and Santian, but after all the videos and pictures came out and everything, and I just sat back and I um I posted I think a little reel and I sent you guys the picture 
of uh, my team from Iraq in 2009 and then uh, going back to Santiago's event and seeing my full team in in 2023 and it, it was good man just being able to sit around and laugh and joke about our time in Iraq and uh, the stories because you guys I can talk to you guys about a lot of what happened uh, but for the most part I don't get a chance to talk about what happened in Iraq, right? Like what we went through and everything. And, and so it was just really refreshing to be able to sit and, and reminisce the good and the bad, right? It, it's, it's not often that you can sit around with friends and laugh and joke about how we almost died. Uh, but, but uh, we were able to do it and, and, and just talk about, it. you remember that time they bombed us on this day and you remember this time we tried to close this place down and they bombed us for 16 hours straight and, and all that. And it's like, but you know, it, it was good to get it off my chest and reminisce and everything. And, and so one thing that I came back and, and I want to recommit to is, um, donating time or energy or money to kind of veterans of foreign wars, VFWs, USOs, those types of things that uh, give folks the opportunity to be able to come together and find that space that they can talk it out, right? Uh, a lot of folks don't have therapists and they don't go through therapy and they won't go through therapy. Um, the only time they'll uh, actually talk about it or meet with folks is when they're at the VA in the waiting line. I hear a lot of stories then, uh, but I want people to actually be able to go and have fun. So uh, any of the veterans out there, if you guys need a place that you can go, check out your local VFW, go check it out, sit down, uh, have that place that you can reminisce, talk about that. Uh, and Ferg, we got to get uh, an Afghanistan group together for the 465, man. We we, we got to uh, kind of do a little reunion for that, too. Oh, that's what's up. I'm with it. So. That's it? This, you got anything else? Yeah, man. That's it. That's all I got. Well, I'm going to start on a I got two things I really want to do. One is, first of all, I want to thank Jada Pickett Smith uh, for being you. Because often on the show, I've talked about, you know, we put so much emphasis on infidelity as like that's the only thing people can do. Or maybe, you know, like, you know, physical abuse, domestic DV on those are the horrible things you can do in a relationship. But I think her antics and her personality for a lot of people, everybody doesn't agree, have sh- kind of shed a light on how somebody's just personality can just be a, a a huge drain on a relationship. You know, I always talk about like anything that withholds happiness that holds happiness hostage is how we talk about it in my house anything that holds happiness hostage is all on the same level for me you know there's you know st- people close to the family it says you know the way when her and will are arguing how she would literally throw tupac as a well tupac would have never said to me or tupac wouldn't have done that to me and stuff like that i don't know how true that is but if that's true like things like that sabotage a marriage like things like that make it hard to be loved things like that beat up on somebody like it's bigger than just cheating it's just bigger than just not putting it you can be just as destructive in a marriage but because you're not doing these two things that i mentioned you want to put yourself on a pedestal like i'm a good wife i'm a good mother i'm gonna do no you're not 
like and it's I think she's the poster child for that for me now like I couldn't think of a better person to represent that because you know five years ago it was relationship goals and now it's like she's you know you're talking about a dude that's been dead for 27 years and you're talking about he's your soulmate you know you're not mature enough to recognize that that young love you had you know how many times a pop have let's say pop never died and they got together and they got married you know how many times pop would have cussed her out by now you know it's it's <laughs> it's easy like to fantasize think about you know it's easy to fantasize about a childhood relationship they were and their kids right mm-hmm. and she's not mature enough to recognize that so thank you Jada Pickett Smith for being that example that I wanted people to see where they can just stop focusing on all these things. These are things that hurt your marriage too, men and women. When you belittle, when you, you hold a grudge, when you aren't connected to your partner, when you're just there, those things, I'm not saying Will's innocent. I'm just saying, you know, thank you, Jada. Um, last but not least, man, it was a great weekend. Uh, the fam, you rattlers, football team finally made their way back to uh houston texas uh the first year of i think a four-year agreement between playing uh texas southern and uh prairie view anime university so it's not often i get to see my alma mater we made it a weekend it was great thank you to our host committee you guys did it Uh, i was proud to be a part of that and the best thing about the weekend was I was able to let my family come together and get some of that true family spirit. There's hundreds of families in Houston, but this is the first real reason we've had to get together. And Sky is head over heels in love with fam. And uh, she, she had her pom poms. She woke up this morning. just talking about she loves fam. She's going to fam. But I think what did it was when I sat down and talked to her, um, we were walking to the car to get something. And I told her about uh, what HBCU is and why 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 we have them and the look on her face. And I think she got it, you know, just like I want to go there. I want to go to HBCU. So families, you know, I'm not telling you to, but tell people about the history of things just don't expose them tell them why these things are important and you know going back to the colorado thing where they were trying to call you know call it hbcu even if they got a bunch of black students and colorado university became 95 percent black they wouldn't be hbcu because the first word is the history in it and so please show more respect to all these hbcus all right with that being said Three Brothers No Sense, your favorite barbershop style podcast. Listen, like, share, subscribe, comment, and most importantly, listen again. And that was all AI generated. That wasn't me. All right, fellas.